Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth, now on Spotify. That's right, fools, Beyond Synth is now on Spotify. I know a lot of you have uh, reached out to me and told me to put the show on there. I tried before and it didn't work. I tried again and now it did. So sound shit, I was... I thought I was coming up with like a cool catchphrase and I fucked it up. Uh, look, today we're doing listener calls. Beyond Synth Season 6 is almost over, and so uh, a few episodes leading up to the Christmas episode, I'm going to be taking care of business. It turns out when I recorded listener calls, I recorded a whole bunch, and so we're actually going to do two listener call episodes in the next few weeks so that you guys can hear your voices on the show and yeah so these are going to be some episodes with a lot of stuff jam-packed into them and of course there'll still be a lot of great music so let's get the show started and listen to some tunes you know the next track is brought to you by my lovely patreon supporters and you know the king of the pattersons chris dance you know who kicked his uh, donation up to 88 miles per hour but i have a very surprising revelation for for you and this may be really hard to believe considering how generous chris dance is but he might have just been dethroned and to top that off it might not be a king of the pattersons anymore uh it's very exciting stuff for the show but look let's listen to some music and get this show kicked off this first track is from an artist called moist uh from the album levine and this track is called berlin
And that was Berlin by Moist from the album Levine. And that's a cool song. It's actually a pretty cool album. It's good electronica. I dig it. And uh, that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. And as I told you, there was a shock. And the shock is that Sarah Buchelman, who is a, a regular Patreon supporter, she went back through the catalog and listened to all the old episodes of Beyond Synth. We're now up to 173. She wrote me an email and said, in celebration of listening to all available episodes, of your show, I just want to give you a one-time gift, and she did, and uh, it was incredibly generous to the point where I don't even want to say how much uh, she donated to the show because I don't want to embarrass her, but it was incredibly generous, and what's happened is now we no longer have a king of the Pattersons, sorry Chris Dance, but in place of a dark lord, you would have a queen, not dark, but beautiful and terrible as the dawn. That's right, Lady Galadriel. Sarah Buchelman is now the Queen of the Pattersons for the rest of this month because she donated an insane amount of... I'm very, uh, very grateful uh, for her doing that. And, of course, this keeps the lights running in the Beyond Synth studio. And uh, if you want to support Beyond Synth like these awesome people, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. So, you know, whenever I mention Chris Dance, I do the, the Back to the Future jingle. So I should come up with a, an appropriate jingle for the queen of the Pattersons, Sarah Buchelman, the queen of the Pattersons. She also says her first royal demand is the release of episode three of The Real Beyond Synth. Not going to happen anytime soon. It really bothers me that I can't produce those shows as fast as I would like to. Because it's literally, it's made. It's just that that particular episode has lots of like special effects in it. You'll understand when you see the show. It's not quite like the other two. And uh, anyways, look, we're taking listener calls. So let's, uh, let's go to the phones. All right, well, who's this on the line? Hey, it's Angelo Taylor. Hi, Angelo Taylor. How are you? I'm pretty good. Just got done fixing my water heater. That is exciting. Uh, it is not exciting, but uh, it is work. Two years into living at the place uh, where we live now, we were in a basement and uh, the water heater blew up and uh, flooded the apartment. Oh, is that why? Uh, I remember on one of the episodes or many of the episodes, you're like, we are in the process of moving because there's something flooded. It was from the water heater. Yeah, that was back in the day when I could have taken a one month break from the show because I only did so many a year. Because mm-hmm. there was a point, yeah, where we had our bed and everything was in the living room. And it was like that for a while. Anyway, how are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty excited to finally be on Beyond Synth. People should know you're the guy who made the you made a little metal Beyond Synth Synth. I can't even say the name of my own show. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, you made me a sign because you make like things out of metal and stuff. You actually do some cool shit. Yeah, I um, became a metal fabricator to pretty much make video game signs for myself, yeah. <laughs> and then other people liked them. Yeah, I, I do that as a hobby. You know, occasionally get commission work. It's not my actual job. It's just a you know garage thing. And Frank Skinnick who was a Beyond Synth patron, didn't he get you to make him a Beyond Synth sign? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was uh, it was really random. He's like, you got to make me a Beyond Synth sign. I'm like, I can make like other signs. I can even have like, use the same font because it's the Blade Runner font, right? Mm. Have his name. 
He's like, no, I, I really want that sign. And then, yeah, it happened. He was happy with it. So was his better than mine? In, in terms of it being better, it's like I get better as a welder and like a CNC plasma cutter. So it just probably was assembled better. What does CNC stand for? That is a good question. I look this up all the time and continuously forget. Give me a second here. <laughs> I know. I don't know what the hell I do. CNC stands for... CNC Music Factory. Computer Numeric Control. Oh, so that just means a laser that's guided by a computer? It's just a protocol. So you could literally have, like, a Sharpie on the end of, like, these servos, and it'll just, like, write letters for you. Oh, okay, okay, okay. With your thing, was it a laser that cuts into the metal, or is it just a saw blade? I have two things. I have a laser cutter and a plasma cutter. What I use to make your sign is a plasma cutter. Plasma. Plasma. <laughs> plasma. It's essentially a lightsaber. Cool. You know, when I was learning how to use the machine, the instructor was like, oh, if you want to cut your fingers off and cauterize them at the exact same time, you know, just stick them under the plasma cutter. And that scared me enough to not do that. Plasma. It, it sounds cool. I've never really understood what plasma... What's the difference between plasma and a laser? Okay, plasma is a phase of matter. The fourth phase of matter. Damn, you know, actually, when somebody asks me that question, I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So what I mean, the, the plasma cutter I'm using is just making a really hot arc and then using an air compressor to like shoot that arc across material, creating plasma. But what is plasma? Yeah, I don't I don't know what plasma is. Like, is it solid? No, it's like the sun is plasma. When you look at the sun, how it has that weird fractally look, mm-hmm. that's all like plasma. But again, it's like it's kind of a mind bender. That don't answer my question, oh, Angelo. I, know, I, know, I, know. I did want to talk about your favorite game. I know you have a band, but I... I do have some new news about GoldenEye. Uh, yeah, tell me. So, you know, Oddjob, mm-hmm. the developers, as of April this year, have come out and said, if you play Oddjob, you are you are actually cheating. Well, let's be clear about what was actually said. We, we don't want to disseminate fake news. So, like... <laughs> that was just one of the people who were on the team who said that. That, that was w- like the project lead, dude. That, that was not the official statement of Pierce Brosnan, and therefore it does not <laughs> yeah. count. Yeah, well, it makes sense because the uh, the multiplayer in GoldenEye was thrown together quite quickly. That's one of the joys of the game is that modern first-person shooters and multiplayer games are like play-tested and play-tested, and every time there is some subtle weird advantage in the map that's got to be like removed, and that's why when when you play Call of Duty and all those other games, like every room always has like five doors. So like there's no place where you can just run and be like in a dead end. Like there's always two exits and whatever to like every location. That's why GoldenEye has this weird charm because it was thrown together so quickly, the multiplayer, that like my favorite map of the facility, mm-hmm. you know, it's full on full of rooms that only have one door. Yeah. And like you can run in those rooms and close the door and just stand there pointing at the door and it creates like a weird scenario, you know, like if people are trying to get in and a lot of those situations were what made the game fun. I just remember trying to arc grenades into the bathroom when, like, someone would be hiding in the bathroom mm-hmm. in the facility and, like, you'd run up and open the doors and then start, like, arcing grenades, having them bounce off the wall and kind of bounce in and still try and kill the guy in the, in the bathroom. Like, shit like that's fun. When you play games like Call of Duty and these other ones, it's like every room has, like, ten entrances and so it's just like, if the guy's hiding in there, just like, I'll just fucking walk in the other door. Do-do-do. This is great. And teabag Yeah, it's so balanced to the point where it's like, oh, well, you constantly just have to sprint around, and that's just annoying. You know, games these days, they're not built on the same ethos. Yep, yep. 
games these days, man. Yeah, man. Fucking games these days, kids these days. <laughs> anyway, look, we got to uh, listen to some music, man. So uh, we're going to hear a track that is, uh, of course, brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. There's Jacob Wick with the 4488 and in the $25 club, Mr. Clint Dowling. Awesome, awesome Beyond Synth supporters. And we are going to listen to a track from George Ergum Lids. Uh, and this is called Oliga.
And that was Oliga by George Ergumlids. Brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Mr. Tim Carlton and Johnny Five. And of course, we are taking listener calls today, and we're here right now chatting with Angelo Taylor. And uh, look, I didn't know you were having a baby. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty covert off about it because it hasn't hit me that I'm having a kid. Even though it's like eight weeks away, mm. we're having a kid and I'm peeking into my synthesizer obsession. So I'm like quickly trying to buy as many synths as I possibly can before having this kid in fear that I won't be able to get any more. Yeah. Well, how many do you need? I currently have three. So what are you doing with them? I told myself I'd be making music, but that was two years ago. Mm. You a noodler? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a noodler. I enjoy reading the manuals and understanding how synthesizers work. I say that because... It helps me understand like circuitry. It goes with my hobby of building like Arduino-based little thingies around the house, what? as well as like little gadgets. What's Arduino? Arduino is like a microcontroller you could program, and you know all those fucking hippies and shit that wear blinky lights. I, I guess hippie is the wrong term. All these uh, nerds mm. with uh, cosplay outfits with their rifles that light up in different colors—they probably have a microcontroller, and they're probably using something called Arduino. So Arduino is what? Arduino is a microcontroller that you program to like do things. So you're essentially making a small computer by doing things it. Makes the lights blink in a certain way. A microcontroller can do anything your your heart's desire. For example, I made a Arduino-based MIDI controller that I could put control voltage of my Moog Mother 32 and sync it with my... Um, Laser cutter. Prophet 8, which was MIDI. Oh, sorry, go on. <laughs> it's all right. After I built it, I realized I could actually sync the Mother 32 with through MIDI, so that was a waste of time building that. But, you know... The fact that I know how to do it, it's pretty fun. It's full in my own mind every day. So it's safe to say that you are some sort of a technical nerd. Yes. I mean, it's <laughs> safe to say it. We don't have to say it, but it just it would be it would be safe. I consider myself a burner, and when I say that, it's just somebody who goes a burning man because they tend to be like engineers, and well, there's the hot girls, and then there's the engineers. Right. I used to consider myself a burner, but like the cell phones that the drug dealers throw away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a weird metaphor to use, but hey, I know my web designer guy, mm-hmm. uh, I call him my web designer as if that's, <laughs> that's he, uh, he works at Burning Man. What do you mean he works at Burning Man? What does that even mean? He is one of the people who coordinates the city they build. He's probably working with the Department of Playa Works, DPW. Maybe. Those are, those are like the wayward children of Burning Man. Like Those are like the carnies that you see at a carnival because they just kind of roam around and travel America. Well, talking about roaming around America, didn't you used to have bees? Wasn't that a thing that you had bees? I still have bees. That is a continuous hobby. Mm. I'm a person who just kind of likes to collect hobbies and never get rid of old hobbies or never lose them. So I have huge obsession with synthesizers. I'm hugely into welding. Do you say huge? Is that the way you say it? Huge? Yeah. I uh, I think I'm just saying it weird because I'm on a chat with you and I'm excited. Mm. <laughs> I think it, it it depends on the circumstance. Do I make the weird come out of people? Is that what happens on this show? Yeah, and I think I've been trying to make myself seem slightly weirder to be entertaining. Hey, man, no, you're an interesting guy. You don't have to put on any affectation. You make uh, cool metal things. I've seen you build really large-scale, interesting projects. And you have bees. We talked about bees privately. Yes, I have a beehive. Uh, I had two beehives, but one died. Explain the concept of a hive dying. Yes, so there are different types of scenarios which can kill a beehive. One of the main ones that is hotly debated amongst the bee community is uh, the colony collapse disorder, which different beekeepers claim different things are the reason or the culprit of what colony collapse is. But realistically, the things that 
the thing that happened with my hive is the queen died, and they didn't. The other the drones and all the bee, the other bees didn't make a new queen. Yeah, they just end up end up just dying out because there's no new eggs laid. Mm. So naturally, on a healthy hive, if the queen dies, then the bees will start feeding royal jelly to some of the eggs and royal jelly creates queens what's really fucked up about it is they make like five or six queens and then whatever queen emerges first goes on and kills the other queens bees are beautiful creatures aren't they <laughs> right i love when always people talk about the beauty of nature and then there's always this really dark fucked up thing at the beginning just like well i mean if you want to see fucked up nature you can watch bbc and have um what is it david attenborough narrate he's like as we see the bees are bloodthirsty i mean it's a brilliant david attenborough impression but like i always love when you watch like the especially the bbc nature documentaries when you know we have this idea of predator species and like and how they're hunters and they're so tough and blah 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 and whenever you watch them Mm -hmm. all they ever do is attack the weak animals and the children like that's all like whenever like a pack of wolves show up or like the lion the thing they always go after is the fucking gazelle with the broken leg or like one of the young young ones that like doesn't know how to run away or doesn't understand the threat yet yeah yeah it's funny to me that we see them as like these these great hunters and then all they ever do is just fucking kill the old people or it's just like okay i mean i guess i guess they're cool i think that conservation of energy is like embedded into all living things right like how many you know when somebody says oh andy you're fucking cutting corners you should do this thing it's like animals our predators are just literally cutting corners by like looking at the laziest animal around and like fuck I don't need to run that fast to get that one but in fucking planet earth 2 that episode where the fucking tiger takes out the crocodile is fucking awesome like a leopard or something yeah that scene is amazing I've watched that scene so many times and it's even made funnier because you're just watching it and it's like holy fuck like your jaw drops and then it cuts to a shot of a capybara who's like on the shore (laughs) who sees it happen and then has that same look on his face whereas like his jaws drop like it's awesome planet earth 2 had like a few of those like obviously there's the main one where those snakes start going after that fucking lizard and then it plays that exciting music and fucking there's hundreds of snakes just keep trying to get that lizard and he keeps getting away i was equally as blown away by i forget if it was a leopard or a tiger or what the fuck it was but i just when it's kind of walking near the water and you're like where's this going and he just fucking leaps in and takes out the crocodile it's just like what (laughs) it's so fucking awesome yeah Uh, but look let's uh listen to another track man because that's what we do here we listen to cool music and uh, this next song is uh, brought to you by my lovely patreon supporters in the 25 dollar club emilio astavez and action jackson and uh, here's a cool track from the g this album is called concrete island i think it's out i hope so sometimes i forget but anyway this is a track from the g this is monument by the g
And that was The G with the track Monument from the album Concrete Island. And I was chatting with him about doing a giveaway of some download codes, um, but I am very disorganized, so maybe we will uh, do that next week. And that, uh, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Chris Williams and Christian James. Uh, And, of course, we are right now talking to Angelo Taylor with our listener call-in show. So I know you've been listening to this show for a while, but like, what got you into the, the synth music and the synthesizers? and stuff. Your podcast is the reason I got into synthesizers, synthwave, everything, really. And I just wanted to say thanks. Um, it's, it was a cool find. Your wife must not like me, then. <laughs> oh, yeah. She hates the sound of synth. She hates synthwave, everything about it. Well, she says it's enough. She says it's just like constant droning, but it's me. You know, when you're playing a synthesizer and you're building a patch, you're just hitting the same note and, you know, seeing how it augments. Mm. And that's, you know, for her, that just do that. I do that for hours. So her, it's like, this is just fucking noise. Yeah. Prior to your show, I didn't even know what Synthwave was called. I had a playlist of like Kavinsky and stuff and I just typed... I named the playlist Neon 80s because I didn't know what the genre even was. Yeah, well, you're close. <laughs> yeah, and then like I typed in like Neon 80s and I came across um, Droid Bishop and then you know, the Droid Bishop episode with you. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I just rabbit holed from there. It's funny to me that Droid Bishop and specifically Droid Bishop's episodes, like that was a lot of people's entryway into my show was Droid Bishop show, and I don't really know why. Interesting. Because you're not the first person who's told that to me. There's a lot of people who have been like, yeah, and I started listening because of Droid Bishop. I'm like, really? Like, so I don't know what the, I mean, obviously, like, you know, if an artist is on the show, they share it, you know, on their SoundCloud or something, and so people Mm -hmm. who are fans of the artist might see the show, but for some reason, it's the Droid Bishop one that seemed to, like, hook people, and and I don't have any sort of data on why that would be. I think it was just like, you know, we type in Google Droid Bishop, you came as, like, one of the first links and that's um, maybe look at the data analytics of that one link. But how, how does one even do that? I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's something I'm going to have to uh, look into. SEO. That's what it's called. Hey, man, why do you dress like a character from Fallout? You mean like uh, my, the, the outfit I wear every day? Yeah, you look like a character from Fallout. <laughs> um, well, f- I believe it or not, Fallout is my favorite video game. So ah. maybe I, it subconsciously influenced my style. Which one? That's a good question. I would say Fallout... New Vegas was probably the best. Why does everybody like New Vegas the best? I'm just curious. Fucking Fallout 4 was awesome, but you couldn't be a fucking bad guy in the game. All you could do was be a sarcastic asshole, and it kind of kept directing you towards being a good guy. In New Vegas, you could be immediately a fucking dick. You're revived from getting shot in the head, and there's, like, the Good Springs, that's your first town. Like, hey, we helped you. I fucking shot that guy in the head, said, thanks, bitch. Is that the reason, though? Is that, like, the the understood reason? Because whenever people talk about Fallout, because, you know, I'm more of an Elder Scrolls guy, so... I'm, I'm a bigger Elder Scrolls guy than you are. I know all the songs in Dragon Tongue, but... No, we won't go there. <laughs> Nerd. But the... Because <laughs> when people talk about Fallout, I mean, I've played three, and I played a bit of four, but then I think I played it later, like not when it came out. And so by the time I played four, I think a game I was looking forward to more came out, and then I just sort of forgot about Fallout. No, sure. That's uh, I had never played Fallout 4 more than once, and that said something about that game. Yeah, I mean, I beat three. Like, I beat the game. Three was awesome. Uh, and I enjoyed it. And what I will say about Fallout 4 is it's got this great song. Which one? It's called Science and Secrecy. I have all the songs from every Fallout game. 
Well, I constantly play them on my art car at Burning Man. I think who did the score was Enon Zur or Enon Zur. I don't know how you say that guy's name. Oh, you're talking about like the songs that are like part of the soundtrack, not yeah, like yeah. the radio. Oh yeah, no, like, like the soundtrack or soundtrack. Yeah, okay. Cool. Uh, Science and Secrecy. It's a lovely song. It's really good. It's like a song you can fall asleep to. Sure. It's very nice. But look, man, we got to go. For sure, for sure. It's been a blast talking to you, and keep keep on keeping on. I'll try, man. Thanks for making me that sign. I keep on trying to find a way to incorporate that sign into the new Beyond Synth set. It's tricky because I want to, but the thing is, with those sorts of with those signs, because I need so many lights on the set, yep. the full effect of the Beyond Synth sign that you made for me doesn't quite work because when all the lights are on the set, it makes the, the silver of the sign really shiny and then you don't really see how it's lit up. That sign works best in a dark room where that thing's just sort of in the corner of the room, like lighting up the bricks. Yeah, no, it's tricky because, yeah, no, I mean, I'm a filmmaker as well and I know that you need a lot of light for, you know, your set to look cool. It's like TV studio lighting so it's like so many bright white lights and the sign you made me it's cool but it's almost better enjoyed in real life like if i had a bar yeah, yeah. if i was one of those dudes who built a man cave and had like a bar where you know like there's led lights under the bar and the lights are synth down dive bar yeah there would be the beyond synth sign would be on the wall behind me and at nighttime when i turned off all the lights the lights of the beyond synth sign would stay on mm-hmm. you know like so when the lights are off in the house that's sort of like a night light in that room yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless I built some canopy or something that, like... What you do is you get rid of all your film equipment, get rid of all your lighting, get a better camera with a lens with a high aperture, and t- then, then you can just raise your uh, air aperture, and then that light will come in, or the sign will come out right, and you can use lower light. Don't fucking <laughs> tell me what to do, Angelo Taylor! Man! That's what I would do. Well, listen. Yo. It's nice to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> You too, Andy, last. All right, Enjoy man. your family and baby. Zuh. Yeah, man. Plural. And you uh, and you do the same thing, man. You get uh, I'll try. exciting stuff ahead for Angelo Taylor. See you later. All right, and that was Angelo Taylor. It's always fun taking these listener calls. Let's listen to some music, and then we'll uh, take some more. So here is a track from Neo Slave, and this one is called Messiah, featuring Vin Weasel. Uh, this is the instrumental version.
Alright, and that was Neo Slave with the track Messiah featuring Vin Weasel, the instrumental version. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Joey and Kendra, Gregorio Franco, Lucas Ceballos, and Mike Shima. And if you want to support the show like these awesome people, check out patreon.com slash beyond synth and now let's uh go back to the phones all right well who's this on the line man this is ken jeru hi ken jeru hi andy how you doing you having a good night i am having an excellent night so what's going on in the world of ken jeru today just before uh, i called i was playing around with the new um, nintendo switch online stuff oh did you start an account i did i started a family account for me and my son and uh, you know you get to download that application that gives you 20 or so NES games. I found a like hack online too, so that it's not really a hack. You just create a second account that's Japanese. So you say that is the location. That gives you the Famicom one too. So it's interesting seeing the artwork difference between the two. Oh, that's cool. I tried playing Zelda, but it was in uh, Japanese, and I couldn't figure out what it was. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> My son's mostly the one who plays the Switch right now. I imagine I'm going to pick it up again when uh, Metroid comes out. Oh, I I wasn't aware Metroid was going to be released soon. That's cool. Oh, it's not soon. Oh, it's not soon. (laughs) (laughs) Two years ago, they just showed the logo Metroid Prime 4, and that's all they've ever shown. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember when they showed that. Yeah, there's no game. Like, that thing is years and years away. But I'm sure it'll be cool when it comes out. But speaking of games... um. I think you and I were talking the other day. Didn't you say you were, like, restoring a Commodore or something? I bought a Commodore 64 that didn't work because I had sold mine 10 years ago and I wanted it back. Mm -hmm. I desoldered five chips on it because you can buy a new motherboard from Germany. So you take the five chips... And then you stick them in the sockets. You don't have to solder them on. They have switches to hold them in place. Okay. So now I got a Commodore to play with again. So I like that. What's your favorite Commodore game? Impossible Mission was always my favorite. I've never beat that game, but I used to laugh so hard at the sound he makes when he dies. The scream. In my house growing up, of course, that was uh, a big thing. Like my parents would always like anytime I'd like, come out of the room where I was playing it, they would like reenact that scream. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Ah! <laughs> I, I even I used that scream in a video I made. I wanted that to be like the Wilhelm scream of. Well, actually, no. I've got two screams. I want to be the Wilhelm scream of Andy Last Productions. One is the scream that Sully makes in Commando when Arnold drops him off the cliff. So that's one of my favorites. After he says like, I "Remember, I told you I'd kill you last. I lied," and then he lets go of Sully, and then Sully goes like. It's awesome. Yeah, I think I've played that before. Oh, yeah. It's my, it's one of my favorite samples. And then the other one is the Impossible Mission fucking... Ah, I fucking love that scream. It's so good. All of the speech in it, right? I think, like, I read somewhere that that was kind of, like, the first time they attempted it. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Beating the game, right? You said you never beat that game. Um, Is there a level? It's just it's just one big game, right? Like, you just keep going up and down? Yeah. The same rooms spawn every time, but um, where the puzzle pieces end up changes every game. And where the rooms end up in the map change every game, but, you know, there's still, there's ten 
and elevator shafts and then they rearrange the rooms and you get puzzle pieces from each one and I remember as a kid I got to one place where you could dial up like a hint and it said yes you have enough pieces to solve the puzzle and then I never really figured it out it wasn't until I went back years later with an emulator mm-hmm. that I beat it actually though um, a couple months ago on this Commodore 64 with the new motherboard I was able to beat the game and so I was so excited that I finally beat the game out of real Commodore 64. It was a great feeling. So I've never really understood the puzzle in impossible mission like you would get these sort of squares at the end of the game do you take all the squares and does it make a picture like what is it what do you do yeah so they were supposed to stack on top of each other so four pieces if you arrange them in the correct manner and they were the same color you would place it on top of each other and it was almost supposed to be three-dimensional because you had to stack them in the right order also okay so it was quite hard to figure out how it worked but you know eventually i realized hey this looks like it fits here and then i was able to figure it out and then um 10 years ago or so they also released a port of it for the wii and the 3ds i think yeah i had the ds1 because that was before my wife put my ds in the washing machine i had one of those carts where you could download the roms and play them and i did have the remake of it but i don't know there's just something about the charm of the original game i didn't really like the remake Uh, you could skin the remake with the old yeah yeah wasn't it like you had the choice you could do like old sound with new graphics and music with it was significantly easier they gave you two more hours to hours Every time you got zapped or fell down the hole, they took away 10 minutes. So that's why when the game would end, uh, they gave you two more hours and it was significantly easier. But the puzzles, I think, still got solved the same way. I'll take your word for it, Ken Jiru. I mean, I did have it because I love that game. But when I had my DS, the game I ended up playing the most, surprisingly, was Picross. I found that game really fun to play. I'm not really a handheld gamer. So like I thought if I got the DS and I'm like, oh, I'll download, you know, adventure games and stuff like that. And and I played new Super Mario Brothers on it. But then even Zelda, I didn't like everyone said the game was really good. And I played a bit of it. And I'm like, I just don't think I like playing these sorts of games on the go. Like, that's just not my style. And since you needed to use the stylus all the time. Spirit Tracks. Was it Spirit Tracks? The one with the trains. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't really get into it either. I agree with you. I'm not much of a um, a handheld gamer either. I had that game, and that one was fun, again, by Impossible Mission. But yeah, Zelda, I had it, and I didn't really get into it. I didn't keep the DS for very long. I have a 3DS, and I hardly use I think I would get more out of them emulated to just play a DS game and just play it on a TV instead. Like, I don't even know if you can. On my iPhone, right, you can get some pretty sophisticated games, but all I ever play is Solitaire. I tried downloading other games, and I just don't care. It's like, I'm just like, ah, I just play Solitaire, maybe with some fucking block-breaking games or whatever, but just really simple stuff. And uh, I was the same with my Nintendo. Although Mario, New Super Mario Brothers was good, but it had little bite-sized levels, so maybe that's that was the difference. Oh, whatever. This is... <laughs> This is all very important information for you, (laughs) but uh, whatever, man. Look, we got to listen to some music. So here is a track from Hollygram, which is uh, presented by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $15 club, Hampus ML and Ken Giroux. That's you. So let's listen to this track. This is Hollygram. This is some uh, some new wave. This track is called Signals.
And that was Signals by Holly Graham from the album Modern Cult. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Chatterack with the fourteen ninety five uh, and Pattern Shift with the thirteen thirty seven. Uh, and uh, if you uh, dig any of the music that we play on Beyond Synth, uh, remember it's all in the information section. So if you w- listen to the show on SoundCloud or on YouTube, just click the More Info button, and you'll get all the links to all the artists we play on the show. And now we're back here uh, taking listener calls, and we're chatting with Ken Giroux. Also one of my uh, lovely Patreon supporters. So I know we were talking a lot about sort of like retro games back there, but have you, uh, do you play any like current shit? I finally got a PS4. Yeah, I got the special PS4 Pro, that Spider-Man edition. So I've been playing Spider-Man also. So I'm about more than halfway through that one, and that one's been a lot of fun too. Yeah, Spider-Man's great. This is my first Sony system because I, I used to work for a company that did computer tech support okay. for Sony as like a contractor. Sony was so bad to their customers that I like <laughs> swore off Sony products for 10 years. Because if you bought a Sony VIO PC, you were going to get the absolute worst tech support ever. People would call me up and yell at me. Seriously, I had this job and they would call me, they would scream at me on the phone for, <laughs> I'd never buy a Sony again. And I'm thinking like, Sony cares so much about you that they hired some guy in Buffalo that doesn't even work for Sony who doesn't have a Sony PC. <laughs> that was the funniest thing too. They'd be like, well, if you just look at the front of the computer, I'm like, I got this crappy Dell in front of me. I don't have a Sony <laughs> computer anywhere in the building. I can't look at the actual computer you're using. And so, yeah, I, kinda, like, I stayed away from them for a long time. One of the things every Christmas my son asked me for, and he's 10, is that he wants VR. Mm. Everything I read, like if I wanted to do that with a PC, you'd have to buy a really expensive PC yep. and then really expensive VR equipment. It looks like the cheapest way to get somewhat passable VR is to get the PlayStation VR. Yeah, no, my son uh, really enjoys it. I mean, like, it is uh, it is pretty cool. You know, last time, um, sorry, just changing gears here, but I know last time when I did a call-in show, um, I had one of my listeners call in, and I remember you mentioned something, like you had a similar job or something. What was that about? Somebody called in think it was orlando that said he was a a scrum master yeah he's a scrum master yeah so that had me laughing because i am a um, software engineer and um, scrum is the system they use you know to manage our workload they divide your work up into sprints they call them they usually last two weeks so i was an acting scrum master for a little bit i'm starting to figure out my demographic now is fucking scrums (laughs) exactly uh (laughs) When I talk to people outside of the field, I, people who are really into it, I've I've referred to them personally as scrum bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I would never call anybody that. Like in the middle, I will. <laughs> scrum bags. I'm gonna start calling my listeners scrum bags, seeing as they're all fucking scrum masters. They might as well be. There you go. That's how I'm gonna start off the show from now on. Just fucking hey, scrum bags, scrum. <laughs> It was supposed to evoke the idea of a rugby scrum where there's like a bunch of people huddling together to kind of get the work done, but uh, it's kind of uh, ridiculous. Now for the listeners, before you go, mm-hmm. what are you rubbing against your microphone? It must just be uh, hitting my shirt. It's uh, I am got the, the earpods on. I knew I was going to embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to acknowledge it just so when people listen back and they go like, is he shuffling over there? And it's like, no, it's because he's got earbuds, man. Yeah, well, it's just, this is the way that we do remote calls with team members that work all over the country and world. 
we're constantly on video calls in our line of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it exciting? Well, I think it's pretty fun. If you live in the U.S. and your um, cable TV provider is also your internet service provider, and they have a portal web application or a application for your mobile device, and you use that to get your news where you have it all uh, mixed together in a, a nonstop scrolling stream. Scrum. The computer system that determines how those news articles and videos are mixed together, that's the system I work on. Mm. Another system that takes your behavior with those articles, like what you click on, what you watch, and what you read, and determines, based on other people who've looked at the same stuff, like what we should show you next... I work on that. Stuff. Well, you certainly just said a bunch of stuff. That is clear to me. Yeah. And I know that it means something <laughs> and scrum. Scrum. That's all I'm going to take away from this. <laughs> the second I stop recording, I'm just going to go to sleep and just remember Scrum. Like, hey, just explain this complex sort of job about interconnected fucking web things and news aggregation. And then, like, yeah. as I sleep, I'm just going to be like, Scrum. You know, like when Mario falls asleep in Mario games and he sort of dreams about spaghetti and stuff? Yes. I'm going to dream of Scrum tonight. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm glad I could help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> I love this is the second show now we're talking about Scrum on Beyond Synth, man. It's a, I'm going to enjoy this being a recurring theme. All right. Anyway, but look, dude, we got to fucking rock and roll here, man, but it was good talking to you. It was good talking to you. And uh, I hope you have a lovely day over there in Scrum Town, and thanks for uh, supporting the show. You're welcome. All right, and that was Ken Giroux. Always fun chatting with the listeners. So how about this? Let's listen to another track. And I got one uh, queued up right here. And this, of course, is brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters, Adam Force with the 1313. And we will never forget the immortal Chris Celia Lane. And now let's listen to a track by Simpler Times. And this is The Phantom of the Hasselhoff.
And that was The Phantom of the Hasselhoff by Simpler Times, brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $10 Club. It's Fraser Davidson and Knight of Ducks. Yeah, man, we're back and we're taking a listener call. So how about we go back to those phones? All right, well, who's this on the line? It's Bobby. Hi, Bobby. How's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm okay. How's life? Wonderful. <laughs> people call you Bobby? Like, because you're, you're Roberta, right? Like, do people actually call you Bobby, or is that just how you present yourself online? No, people call me Bobby. Bobby? <laughs> Bobby? I'm Bobby. Yay. All right. How long, how, how long have you gone by Bobby? Oh, you know, since 1978 when I was born. Oh, <laughs> wait a second. Let me do the math here. Yeah, yeah. It was a big one last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid to put that out there. So how does that make you feel? I, I've got three years before I do that one. Um, do you know, I was worse when I was turning 30. I had to, like, um, go into hiding and, and go to Greece. But this time around, I just stayed in London. So I think I faced it with great decorum. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. I've accepted it. It's fine. It's fine. I don't feel it. Did you have a party? What'd you do? Well, we were supposed to be going on to um, the Outland boat party, the Sunset Neon thing, which we'd booked up for ages. And then we missed the fucking boat. <laughs> we were running along the South Bank like two maniacs trying to catch the boat. We missed it. That sucks. That sucks. Yeah, you know uh, you know Martin Larby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I phoned him and he's like, mate, you've missed the boat. I was like, shit, we missed it. Wait, what happened though? Like, did they leave early or are you guys just... No, it was there was a mix-up with the hotel. It was one thing after the other. We ordered room service. That was late. Made us late. They booked us a taxi. The taxi was like, well... The traffic's really heavy and some tunnel had shut, which made the traffic really heavy. And he said, I'll know when we get around this corner whether or not you'll make it. We got around the corner and he said, you won't make it. So we got out. We decided to like just run along Tower Bridge, then down onto the South Bank. Running along like maniacs and we were like, fuck this shit. It was like three miles. We missed it. But it was okay. We just stayed out drinking along the South Bank. There was this really tall swing that I've been wanting to go on every time I got up London. It's like mega high. And it swings out. And I was like, let's do that. Let's get on that and like be shit scared and we'll be fine. And so we did that. Did you like try and greet the boat when it came back? No, we were kind of a little bit slozzled by then and we just sort of headed back. We stayed on a really nice yacht in Royal Victoria Docks in London, so we made the most of that. I was having a good time. So, yeah, it was all good. All right. What can you do? You just have to get over these things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been really annoying, I think. I know, because I was really looking forward to seeing Sunglasses, Kid, and obviously Larbs, you know, um, and all the gang, and Nina was <laughs> going to be on there. Larbs. He's such a cool guy. I love, I love Mr. Larb. I'm gonna start calling him fucking Larb. That's gonna be my new thing instead of Martin Larby. Just <laughs> Larbs. Larb. Larbs. He's cool. He is. He's all right. We always end up getting a little bit sloshed when we were out, but mm. you know that's what it's about. It's good. How do you find your alcohol tolerances now? I, I feel like uh, I never had a great alcohol tolerance, but as I get older, it seems to hurt me more. Like the next day. I'm not so bad. I've, I've really changed. I mean, I'm not a big drinker. That was sort of back in the 
the days of my youth and my 20s and going out clubbing and all that sort of thing. And then I didn't sort of drink for a long time. Like at one point in the evening, I felt quite pissed. And I was like, oh, I feel a bit pissed. <laughs> then about 10 minutes later, we walked up to where they were doing all this skateboarding and stuff. We'd like walked into some party. We were like, yeah, this will do. And I felt sober again. I was like, quick, find somewhere where they sell beer. Get me another one. I'm sobering up. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of just sort of start getting a bit spaced out. Maybe it's just my age, you know, mm. I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, I found like a few years ago, I never, I mean, look, I, I, I never really had a great alcohol tolerance, so I can only have a few and then like I'll get sick. Like that's just what happens to me. Oh. I haven't been drunk since like high school. Really? Yeah, I can't get drunk. I get sick first. My body rejects what I gave it before. Before you have the chance to get drunk? Yes. Yeah, I can only be buzzed, but which is fine. Like, I enjoy being buzzed because I like to talk to people, right? So what I really like to do is just, you know, like have two beers and like just sit around and chat with people. Right. I'm not really the kind of person who gets all crazy and starts fucking dancing and throwing stuff around and fighting or whatever. Oh, no, no, no. I just dance. I don't know if I do it very well, but hey, sod it. It's me. It's, I'm on that dance floor. By the Baileys, I'm anyone's. <laughs> <laughs> I used to always drink cider and lager, and that gets you really pissed and makes you feel sick. So I've gone on to Malibu. I'm a Malibu girl these days. So maybe I should just switch to just fucking... I want to be like those classy dudes in the movies that have, like, the fucking glass with two ice cubes and the and the scotch and the whiskey or whatever. Like, Try that. Try doing that. I want to, because I, I, I think it looks cool. I just don't like the taste of it. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, well, it burns your mouth. Like, <laughs> such a bloody wimp. <laughs> You're useless. <laughs> hey, man, it burns your mouth. And I don't care when people act like they're all tough because they're fucking doing the shots. I'm like, fuck you. Like, it burns your throat. You're you're acting like it didn't, but it does. I had a party the week before. I had a family party and friends just down at my local club. Look at you, eh? Fucking partying away. Yay. It's like... So you, got, you only live once. And I had true. this party and my friends were there and they were lining up shots and I was get, breaking out in a cold sweat thinking, shit, I don't do shots. Oh, no, I'm going to have to look really cool now. I went for, like, what I thought was the weakest type of shot. This crappy stuff called shots and it was a tropical flavor one i was like yes i'm doing that mm. they're all doing like tequila and all this hardcore stuff and i'm like no thanks and i couldn't even do it i did half of it and it like leaked out of my mouth and it was just it was an embarrassing mess i, was like, I can't do this I don't, i'm ha- no i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> well don't give in to peer pressure man not even when you're exactly, uh... exactly. No. <laughs> Well, how about we uh, listen to a song, because it is uh, it's song time, and this is uh, brought to you by my Patreon supporters, Andrew Benson and Robert Wolf. This track is called Little Spies by Observer Drift.
And that was Observer Drift with the track Little Spies from the album Nightfall 91. And that was brought to you by my Patreon supporters, Mads Baron Christensen and Sarah Buchelman, the queen of the Pattersons. And uh, we're back here taking listener calls and we're just chatting with Bobby B. So what's been going on in the life of Bobby B? So what, you missed the Outland boat. You just had a big birthday. The story of my life, Miss the boat, literally. What I've been doing, I've had this week off, back to work tomorrow. I've just sort of been doing as I please, really. Just having a good time, but back to work, so, ugh, reality. What do you do again? I'm a painter and a decorator. More painter than decorator. What does that mean? Like, you work for a company? Yeah, I work for a small local firm. Well, how does that work? Like, people come in and say, decorate my house? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, we do domestic properties, or we do a lot of, like, naval 
bases and military bases. We just paint. <laughs> we do whatever they want us to do. Sorry, what? You just say it so like nonchalantly. So it's like we do some residential and some military bases. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, we do it all. What we does do that mean? Care. So like someone comes in with a military base and then you're like, well, let's paint flowers on the wall. Like, no, no, no flowers. Tanks. I live in a place called Portsmouth. Is we're surrounded by military, and the guy I work for, he gets a lot of the contracts for painting and maintenance and uh, that's where we come in and we just go and paint and he does obviously domestic he does anything what brings in the money so that's what we do do you have an outfit like are you wearing like coveralls and stuff overalls it's not glamorous yeah we all have our whites it's good because i work with a bunch of guys and i prefer being around the guys because their sense of humor knows no bounds and Mm. and i can tolerate that i'm good I'm, i'm probably the worst one actually out of a lot of us so i just you know I'll take it. <laughs> but like when you're at the military base, like you're not walking around being all like slinky and stuff in front of the men in uniform. Like that's not your deal. No. How can- <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that an appropriate question? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to look slinky in a bib embrace. Well, that's honest. what I was wondering if like if you had a slightly alternate version. You know, no. it's like you have no. you have your overalls, but they're like, ooh, the ones where you know you have the shoulder down. So like we see a bit of shoulder with these overalls. Thanks, health and safety, Andy. I've tried it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. All right. No. <laughs> what are we getting onto here? Well, hey, man, this is what this show's all about. Yes. Filth. Yeah, filthy. Yeah, it's got to be about something. <laughs> So that's fun. So you're doing all this painting, doing all this partying. Painting, partying, anything else beginning with P. Can't think of anything. I, I can barely remember where P falls in the alphabet. It's around Q. Yeah, somewhere. N-O-P-Q. Don't worry about it. I don't. Hey, man, I worry about the alphabet every day. It's a very important song. You need a chart so you can just have a reference there. I have to sing it. I'm trying hard not to at the minute, but you have to sing it out loud. It's embarrassing. That's like A, B, C, D. Oh, yeah, it's there. Yeah, I've (laughs) never... I've always thought maybe I should try and memorize it to be quick. Like if someone says like, what's the letter next to T? You go like, fucking, I know what it is, but I have to... I Sometimes I have to sing the whole song from the start. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's most of us. Like if I start at the letter K, I can't do it. I can't start. I can't start singing the alphabet song at K. No, I've never tried it. Try it. See, uh, see. <laughs> yeah, but you have to. Like that's the thing. Like if if someone just says start the alphabet song right now, and then and then what letter? K. K. <laughs> L. M. N. O. P. But like. I don't know yeah. if you have the same thing. We had like. I can't remember what it was. Annie Apple, Bouncy Ben's birthday, Clever Cat, Dippy Duck. I think it was Eddie Elephant. Oh my god, I'm going back to like infant school. And Bouncy know. Ben. Bouncy Ben's birthday, Ticking Tom. Yeah, Robber Red. I'm pretty sure if anyone wants to um, correct me on that, but yeah, I can do that one from when I was at elementary school. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a sticker. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, what synthwave tunes have you been? Uh, what's Bobby <laughs> B's favorite thing of the du jour? <laughs> My favourite is a hard question, but I always kind of say Trevor something. He's my favourite, I reckon. Okay. I love FM Attack. And now it's like, God, it's like asking me what my favourite song is. Whenever I get asked that question, it's like, ah, there's hundreds. It's a hard one. There's so much that I like. And when someone asks me, I always just think, right, FM Attack, Trevor something. And now I'm like, oh, I've lost lost it. I I can't think. (laughs) There's so many, really. Yeah, I've been meaning to, uh, I've messaged that dude before, but he never gets back to me. Because I know there's a lot of people that like Trevor something, and I'm like, maybe I should have him on the show, but... uh... 
I don't know the correct channels to reach that dude. He's one of them that likes to lay low, I think. You get some of them that do that. Yeah, that's their thing, man. Well, it always turns out because, like, you know, they, they keep secret and it's because they sound like a mouse or something, you know, and they don't want to... <laughs> Would that destroy the illusion, you know, where it's like, oh, I want to hear Trevor something, and then and then it's all like, yes, I am from Denmark, uh, I like to do music, uh, make a bit of... Yeah, that's a terrible Danish accent, but... <laughs> In fact, it wasn't one at all, it was, uh... Turns out Trevor something is some sort of weird mouse robot. <laughs> that could be cool. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to talk to a robot, regardless of its form. I guess if it's a radio show, it could just be a box. I should do that. Have a robot guest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. All right, look, let's listen to some more music. Here's a cool track, and it's brought to you by Justin Armour and the Patch Bay. And uh, this track is by Jay Vintage. This is Breakdance.
And that was Breakdance by J Vintage. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Rachel Buchelman and Digital Dreams. What do you call the sister of the Queen of the Pattersons? Hmm. Anyway, we're taking listener calls today, and we're chatting uh, right now with Bobby B. So, what's going on, man? Do you have any? Uh, do you have any exciting plans coming up? But there's nothing kind of in my diary at the moment. I'll just sort of as and when sort of thing. Do you have a diary? Well, I say diary. It's a calendar. But um, sometimes it's just a bit of impromptu. Someone will say, coming up to London, I'm like, yeah, I've got nothing else to do, let's do it. Mm. I have the luxury of being able to do that, so I don't have children, so I can just escape, I guess. Mm. Well, I can too, man, as, you know, as long as you're just, like, leaving kids at home to fucking smash the place up, because that's what they do. Yeah. I think that's illegal, isn't it? So I wouldn't be able to do that. I wonder what the actual law is. I was thinking about that the other day because I still pick up my uh, kids from school. And when I was a kid, we I walked home. Like when I was like six, I walked home by myself from grade one. I remember I had to cross a highway. Your parents must have hated you. No, no. I live in a small town that was the main street was the highway. Oh. Remember, this is Canada. So like we have like highways that go on for like 10 times the length of your country. Mm-mm. Yeah. But it's all spread out, right? Like, so it's just big, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it just means that everything is like, you know, like a four hour drive from everything. Like that's, that's not actually true, but yeah, so there's a highway in town, but I mean like there's hardly ever any cars on it because it's a small town. But the point is that I used to walk home by myself and now I'm, I'm thinking because my son's older than that, but I still have to pick him up. And then I was curious and I I forgot to do the research because I'm like, I was talking to a parent and i'm like so is it illegal if i don't pick him up like is that the law now and how old does a kid have to be before they can walk home by themselves from school and like i think someone said 10 really there's a law about that is there i don't know if it's a law or what is acceptable yeah like i mean i know there's a social thing that maybe if like you know you're talking to another parent and you're like oh my my son walks home by himself and he's seven and they'd be like you let him walk home by yourself and then i gotta be all like shamed of like no no of course not (laughs) i pick him up every day huh (laughs) yeah so i do pick him up and i feel like i'm gonna be fucking picking him up from school when he's like in high school and stuff and i'll still like <laughs> you want to hold daddy's hand and the fucking guy's like 16 and like what the fuck like Aww. so but that's that's life it's hard i guess it's a different world i suppose we live in today it's a different world today yeah i used to walk to school when i was about nine on my i think i was i was trusted from the age of nine mm. But, like, everything in England's so close together. It's like, you know, you could be like, I live in Bournemouth-on-Kent, and I go to school in Chatsworth-on-Rye, and it's like a <laughs> two-minute walk from, the like, like, my fake English places. <laughs> I think one of my places I just made up was Chatsworth-on-Rye. I think there's such a thing as Chatsworth. Is it Chatsworth House or something? I don't know. It, it just sounds like a British-sounding place. I'm not even I could be sure on that one, but definitely there is a Bournemouth. But not yeah. Bournemouth on Kent, I imagine. No, no, Kent's the, the other way. <laughs> Kent is a different direction. And it takes longer than two minutes to get there. <laughs> we got the train, right? The train and all the sparks that shoot all over the place. We have trains that have sparks. For some reason, that's my memory when I was in England when I was a kid. Was... Well, you came to England, did you? I never thought you'd be. Yeah, when I was in grade nine, I, I had a little trip to England. I have relatives that live in Bogner Regis. Oh, that's just down the road from me in the south. I mean, more than two minutes away. I say down the road, a couple of hours drive. <laughs> I remember I, I did that, and I did the little arcade things for kids where they have the gambling where you put the coins in and that thing slides the coins out. Oh, yeah, they're cool. Because we don't have those here, right? Because that's 
gambling, so you're not allowed to play games like that. Oh, right. Well, if you're a kid. You know what I mean? Like, so it's weird to have a thing that's like sort of an, an entertainment center for children. And one of the things is a machine that you just throw coins in and you might get a prize. Yeah. Although technically speaking, we do have those machines where you put a coin in and you can control the claw to pick something up. Yeah, that's some gambling. And that, that is sort of game. But I guess it's still sort of a game. Like, I think with those coin things that just push the coins, there's no game, right? It's just drop a coin in and maybe money will fall. Like, that's it. There's no strategy, is there? Like, No, you just got to... Put your money in and hope for the rest, I guess. Yeah, so I think that's more gambling. At least the other one, you get to control a claw. Yeah, we're all fucked over here. We all got gambling problems and shit. These have a word with those arcades. What are they doing to us? Yeah, man. But I remember. I remember it was novel. Yeah, we. I mean, I didn't think of it like that because uh, yeah, we grew up with all that stuff. So yeah, I used to love having like like pocket of ten peas and putting them in and like winning like bunch of coins. It was good. <laughs> Maybe that's where my spending problem developed from. We'll have to do. We'll have to trace it back. Do a psychoanalysis. Oh God, no. There's no hope. I'm beyond redemption. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bobby B. Well, listen, you have a lovely day. Yeah, thank you, Andy. And you. And we'll, uh, you know... Catch up soon. Sure. <laughs> I, you know, I'm fucking shitty at hanging up the phone on people. Oh, uh, you hang up first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you later, Bobby B. Take care. Bye. All right, and that was Bobby B. Always fun chatting with the listeners, man. That's uh, what this show is all about. Well, normally it's about interviewing artists who make cool music, but sometimes it's about chatting with the people who listen to the show and make Beyond Synth possible, because everyone I've talked to today uh, has also been a Beyond Synth supporter on Patreon, and you should be too. You know, like awesome people like Elias Garnier and Martin Larby. We just talked about Larby before. Larbs. Hello, Larbs. Thanks for supporting the show. So let's listen to a fucking cool track. This is by Deaders, D-E-D-D-E-R-Z, from the album Dream Warriors, and this is On Your Level 2.0. I'm on your level.
And that was On Your Level 2.0 by Debtors uh, off the album Dream Warriors. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters, Playmaker Media and Murat. Awesome people. You know, if you go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, you can support the show too. And today we're taking listener calls. I think I can probably take one more. I always end up talking too long. You know, whenever I do these listener call-in shows, I tell people we're only going to talk for 20 minutes and then we end up talking for uh, longer than that. So uh, that's my fault because I enjoy talking to people. Well, that's not a bad thing. I'm not going to apologize for it. Fuck you. Uh, let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's go to the phones. All right, well, who's this on the line, man? Hello, it's Joe from over at the Ozone Nightmare. How you doing, everybody? It's Joe! Yeah. Joe Ozone. How is it going this fine day? Why did you call your thing Ozone? Like, what is the meaning of that? There is no real meaning. Hmm. It all stems from a recurring dream I had when I was younger, which was I always had this recurring dream. It was never really very specific, but it always kind of ended in almost uh, movie titles that would shoot up in words in my dream, and it would say, Escape from the Ozone Nightmare with an exclamation point on the end. And I don't know what it meant. I never really understood the root of it. Okay. But I kind of liked the flow of the words. At the end, not all of it, because that'd be a huge title. But I kind of stuck with that. That was sort of just the thing that I adopted. I like the word because it's symmetrical. I kind of have a thing for symmetry. So it's a five, ozone is a five letter word. So you can divide it straight down the middle. The O's are rounded. So all the fonts I use are rounded for O's. It's kind of an OCD sort of artistic thing, I guess. A few weeks ago, I did a show with a guy called Euless, and I talked about the dream I had where I woke up in the middle of the night and had to scribble on a piece of paper because someone had this crazy name and I had to write it down. I was like laughing about it. And the name was Jerusalem Slooch. Ooh, that is a good name. That's a very good name. <laughs> I mentioned on a on one of our shows that I saw an advertisement for a politician named Saul Jorak. And I was like, that's a Star Wars name, if I've ever seen one. It was a real name. Like, how is Saul spelled? S-O-L? S-O-L, like the sun. And then Jorak was J-O-R-A-C-K. And I was like, that is a great name. That is a fucking Star yeah, Wars name. <laughs> for a person to just have a real name like that was astounding to me because it was such a science fiction name. And yeah, Star Wars name. I was really mesmerized by it. It's like burned right into my brain. I'm like, Saul Jorak. That's like a smuggler who runs a whole planet on his yeah. own. <laughs> would be called that. Is there already a Star Wars character who has like a similar name? Is that why the brain goes there? Is there like a Jarek or a... Well, I think what there... There's a number of them that have short first names and then sort of very symphonic last names. So Enfist Nest is the villain from Solo. That's backwards, but it's like a long name and a short name, but they're, they're cutting names. There's really a lot of good naming in Star Wars for cutting names. Darth Maul is a sinister sounding name just to hear it. Enfist Nest sounds like a villain. You know, there's a lot of that. Uh, the, the main villain's name, too. The other guy, what was his name? Voss. You talking about the movie Solo? Yeah, Star Wars story, yeah. I still have not seen it. I will say, of all the new ones, it's my favorite. And I know people will pull out knives and go for my eyes when I say that, but it is. It's the most legitimately Star Wars feeling of all the movies. I'd probably go for your neck. Wherever they go for. <laughs> Rogue One, I know it's great. That's fine. I'm not disputing that, but I don't like, spoiler alert, movies that end the way Rogue One does. Therefore, that movie automatically was... I uh, see. I'm the opposite of you, man. I love... I, I like that movie specifically because of how it ends. I mean, a lot of people have told me, oh, it's the best one they've made. I'm, I'm not disputing that it is. It's simply not the kind of movie I want to watch. That's not what I want out of Star Wars. Sure. There are movies where that's okay. I don't mind the downer ending. I don't mind the, the ending that's that's not, ha ha ha, Lily's in the field. That's also my favorite kind of ending. <laughs> Just some crazy crime movie that ends with people going, ha ha, 
oh, Lily's in the field. And they just have like a Mickey Mouse yeah. voice. Oh, 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 Lily's. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's just that, but that's just me and my flavor of Star Wars. So I don't dispute that. That's probably the. Be- I mean, it is a good war movie, but I like something like Solo better because it's safer and that's all I'm looking for out of Star Wars is a good kind of time I like the way Donald Glover played uh, Lando Calrissian the thing that actually most derails that movie for me the guy playing Han Solo I I don't know what he sounds like outside of the role so I don't know if he's British or Australian or how he talks I think he is British well, he should have stuck with British because he sounds like French Stewart in whatever he's trying to do. <laughs> French Stewart, there's a reference. Yes, because I kept hearing him like, why do I know this type of talking? I know this voice. And sure enough, it was French Stewart. And as soon as I got the voice, I locked the, the voice in and I could not see it as not French Stewart playing the role because it's just how he talks. Did French Stewart play Inspector Gadget? No, that was... um. Ferris Bueller. No, no. I think there was a straight-to-video one. Oh. Like, there was the Matthew Broderick one, but then there was the straight-to-video one, and I think French Stewart was... I I haven't seen either of them. I used to watch that cartoon all the time, and I don't even think I've seen a second of the... like the live action versions. I've seen three minutes of it accidentally one time where a channel was on and I noticed it in the background. I'm like, what is this? Oh, no, I don't want this. And <laughs> then I, I had a seizure. Yes, and then I fell on the ground and was foaming at the mouth. So that that was the only part where I was just kind of thrown out because I'm just going, oh, it's a French Stewart voice. That's not a voice that Harrison Ford uses. I, I didn't get hung up on the fact that he didn't look like him. A lot of people were like, oh, it doesn't look like Harvest Harrison Ford when he was younger at all. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Harvest Ford. The chewy stuff was actually the best thing. Chewie was great. I'll tell you this. From the trailer, that's the impression I got. I'm not buying this guy as Solo, but then when I saw Chewie, like, kind of holding on to some dude, like, as they're on some train and he's, like, saving him, I'm like, okay, that I like. I like seeing Chewie being, like, part of the action. Because really, like, he had nothing to do. Well, we're not even going to talk about it. That's why I'm sticking with the stuff I liked, because I don't want to go down the the, the (laughs) let's complain route, because there's plenty of that. If you want that, it's all over the place. (laughs) Well, I do love complaining, but what I love more is listening to cool music, so Let's uh, go do that. So here's an awesome track brought to you uh, by my patrons, Ashley Keegan and fucking Slunks. And uh, this is an interesting track, kind of slightly different to the stuff that I normally play, but I, I dug the vibe of this one. I thought it was cool. This is Grime Foundation from the album Nightmare Fuel. And, uh, and this track is called Crass. We'll be right back. 
And that was Crass by Grime Foundation from the album Nightmare Fuel. And that was brought to you by my Patreon supporters, Greg Smith and Blake Peterson. And today we are taking uh, listener calls. And uh, I'm chatting right now with Mr. Joe Ozone from the Ozone Late Night Podcast. And we're talking about Star Wars, which is always a dangerous topic because sometimes uh, it can uh, make me upset. But right now you're doing all the talking because you just watched Solo and uh, I still haven't seen it yet. But like, how was just the relationship between like uh, Chewie and Han in the movie? The Chewie-Han interaction in the movie was actually really good. It felt correct. Mm -hmm. They bonded very quickly. I love the way he was introduced to him. I thought it made a lot of sense. They threw him into a cell to be eaten by Chewie Mm. because obviously the Empire, if you think about the time period and how they were treating aliens, they would have just seen him as a savage monster because he just roars. The only thing that was bad is they made Han growl his language at him. If they just done it a little bit to convey that he could understand him and just stopped, it would have been better because he's going and he just sounds like a cosplayer. It's terrible. But he only does it the one time and that goes away so it's fine. But they bond right away. The partnership is right there. It's the camaraderie is done well. Yeah, that totally sounds like when they switch directors on that film, that seems like a Lord Miller gag. Having him speak Chewbacca's language, like that seems like a joke that was in their version of the film. The humor sticks out as different than the Ron Howard stuff. So that's, you just can't hide it. There are obviously things that were done differently because there was a different part of the script used. Again, doesn't bother me. I can let that kind of shit go. I don't really care because I didn't think like it destroyed the movie. It's not like it was so out of place, like say Justice League, which was a terrible movie top to bottom, Mm. but even worse when you started to realize how severe the differences were between what Whedon was doing and what uh, Zack Snyder were doing. (laughs) We probably said this before, but like the Justice League cuts are amazing because of how obvious they were. Justice League is a fascinating movie. Oh, I know. You're much more taken with it than I am because of that. I remember that. I'm not taken in like a good way. You know, you see lots of movies and they come out and it's like, oh, it didn't work or this was bad or that would whatever. But Justice League was such a special kind of bad because it was so expensive and the flaws were so obvious. Sure. When you watch Justice League, it's like fucking every time there's a new piece of inserted dialogue like the characters literally look different it's like they did reshoots and all of a sudden ben affleck will like gain 10 pounds in like a particular scene and his face gets like more red like depending on if it's like a reshoot and then the guy who plays the flash his like hair changes it's 300 million dollars and they couldn't get someone on set to give him the same haircut it's so jarring that when you watch it it's just like how are the flaws so apparent like how did this get to theaters if i was in charge of the company at the studio and this was the product they delivered i'd honestly be like look man i know the shareholders are going to take a hit this thing needs a few more months in fucking production we got to go back (laughs) go to the edit room and just fucking fix some of these things because these are like in your face problems and no one will care because it'll make a billion dollars whenever it comes out so you know Maybe it'd be better if we actually made it good. Yeah, it's the difference between the old version of Frankenstein, like the 30s version, where there's a couple of seams, but he's still a very imposing and cool-looking monster. And then you go to the the one where De Niro played him, and he's just a patchwork nightmare, Hmm. which... Don't get me wrong, I kind of actually like that movie, but Justice League is the ugly Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> where Solo feels like the other kind of Frankenstein, where yes, there's little parts where you clearly know that they grafted things on, but it doesn't hurt the movie's flow. The, the movie still makes sense. Nothing looks glaringly out of place. There's just little parts here and there where you're like, oh, okay, that wasn't there before, or they cut 80% out and this is one of the 20% left. 
not a big deal. Justice League was, as you said, the opposite because it is just such a continuous train wreck. It is astounding to look at. I watched it once and I was so jarred by it, much like Batman 5 Superman, which I didn't watch more than five minutes of. I literally stopped as soon as Batman started floating. I said, nope, not for me. Turned it off. That was a dream sequence, Joe. I don't care. Hey, hashtag not my Superman, not my Batman, whatever. You can enjoy the shit out of it, folks. Go for it. It's just not for me. My favorite Batman movie is still Batman Returns, but like this one... I will say, has the coolest Batman fight scene in any movie that I've seen. Like, the sequence where he's fighting the dudes in the warehouse, just on its own, if that was just a short film, here's a movie of Batman fighting a bunch of guys in a warehouse, that scene is awesome. It does not justify a three-hour, dour, depressing film and a miscast Lex Luthor. Like, it doesn't it doesn't transcend those problems, but it's still a cool scene. I don't have a problem with Ben Affleck as Batman. I don't have a problem with Henry Cavill as Superman. They suffered at the hands of their scripts. So it's not that I have a problem with them. I think they could have done it, but not with this material. I don't know who I feel worse for, honestly. Like, Henry Cavill, I think, like, he looks like Superman, and he seems like a friendly, sort of charming guy, like, in real life. Like, when you see him in interviews and stuff, hey, that seems like a charming guy. And it's like, why couldn't they just let him do that. That's the problem. Like, why is this guy end up being like the depressing mopey Superman when he seems like, you know, he seems like a pleasant dude and that's all you got to be. Yep. You just have to be cheery and hopeful. That's all Superman needs to do and punch things. And in this movie, it was just too little too late. Like they tried to completely rewrite the character. Like when he showed up, I also couldn't get over the weird CGI mouth, the mustache (laughs) replacement, like the distraction of that also, it just adds to the clusterfuck of every time he's on screen talking, all you're doing is just looking at his upper lip and his teeth. Mm-hmm. And like, what? Like, what is it? What? Just delay the movie. Like, think about they do it all the time with games. And it's a shame, too, because that scene where he shows up in Justice League has the coolest thing in the whole movie, which is where he sees the Flash running around him. Mm -hmm. If you want to see the one brilliant part of that movie, that's it. It is almost worth watching it just for that, because when he turns and looks at him, that is the kind of, oh shit, Superman's evil and he sees me type of thing, and it's great! Yeah, that sequence was, yeah, that was good. And then it all just goes back to junk. But it would have been better if he was in costume, like if the original concept was like in Zack Snyder's version that he would have been like black Superman at that point, like with the black suit. Yes! That would have been cool. Long hair too! I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been fucking awesome. But uh, I guess we'll never know, man. But look, uh, I tell you what we do know is that we're going to listen to some more music. There's a segue. And this uh, is brought to you by awesome Beyond Synth supporters Tristan Waits and Trevor Reznik. This is, uh, what are we going to listen to? This is a track by Zero Call from the album Fears and Dreams of Living Machines. And uh, this track is called Prime Unit.
And that was Prime Unit by Zero Call from the album Fears and Dreams of Living Machines. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Colin Bennett, Will Lowe, and Polly Digital. And if you want to join them in supporting the show, check out Patreon. But look, uh, right now we're taking listener calls, and I am chatting with Joe Ozone from uh, the Ozone Late Night Podcast. So while I got you here, do you got any, uh, do you have any, like, other, you, you can be my movie review guy for the day. You got anything else you watched? I will talk about another movie that I have nothing but positive stuff to say about it, and you might be interested. All right. And that is the movie Mandy with Nicolas Cage. Yes, I do have to see that. It is one of the best movies I've seen in my entire life, and I say that absolutely, <laughs> completely honestly. I am not bullshitting you. Well, is- I love I love Nicolas Cage. Like, I know there's some people out there who don't like Nicolas Cage. I love Nicolas Cage. He brings me joy. I watched a video with him on YouTube where he's, like, talking about his roles. Yes, I saw that. It's a good video. And what surprised me the most, like, I figured Caster Troy in Face Off would be, like, one of those, you know, Nicolas Cage prefers talking about his, the Oscar-type movie, or, like, the good you know the good performances leaving Las Vegas but what I loved is like he had the most positive things to say about Caster Troy like he's like that's a character I'd like to play again and I'm like the guy from fucking Face Off and he's amazing in Face Off I mean it is an awesome character but it was interesting that that's that was when he singled out as a character he'd actually like to play again fucking Caster Troy (laughs) I'd watch that movie I'd watch that movie in a heartbeat because he is the whole thing he's the whole movie he really is yeah Mandy was I was so entranced by it so quickly and I love Beyond the Black Rainbow. I like Panos Cosmatos. I think uh, he's a very, very different director. He has his own vision for things, which I think is something we don't see a lot of anymore. Actually, the reason you might like it is because it is not a happy ending film, and it showcases both sides of Nicolas Cage's strengths. It has a half where he's playing straightforward and serious and acting, leaving Las Vegas type of thing, and then once the revenge part kicks off, he just goes off the rails and becomes the cast of Troy type. So it really allows him to do... Everything that you both, that people like and hate about him, depending on how you like your Nicolas Cage films, he does it all. He gets to play in a sandbox, and he, he is the movie. It looked cool to me, and I'm always happy to see Nicolas Cage. And Bill Duke's in that film, too. I haven't seen him in a while. Yes, Bill Duke is only there for... He's a crucial little part. Movies like this, it's the decisions that are made and the way things are done. And the use of Bill Duke, it's very brief. Can't be more than five minutes long, but he is haunting in that part. The way they lit him, the way he's sitting, the way he's talking. His face is almost lit like it's a skull. It's a very interesting performance for how short it is, and it's just delivering pretty straightforward information, but very important information. But it's just the way that that he's sitting there, and the way the lighting is hitting him, and he's basically imparting kind of, this is what you're up against type of information. Right. I knew he was in there, because I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, okay, I don't know what exactly he's going to be doing here, and I liked what he did. It was short, but it's very memorable, and it's right at the kind of pivotal point of the movie, like where there's a counter balance that's turning mm-hmm. and he's the whole thing that starts that like he's actually holding the thing that starts Nicolas Cage going down the road he's going to go the thing that hit me about it is it's a movie about what happens to somebody if you lose the one thing you love most and that's kind of how I am like if something were to happen to my wife this is how I would become that would be <laughs> because that, there is no world left after that that's a very sweet sentiment it's weird because it's a violent unhappy movie and yet I was immediately I, I identified with it so powerfully and so some people might not get that out of it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I put it within my top 10 movies right after I finished watching it. And it's so beautiful to look at. Wow. Well, there you go. So how many Joes out of 10? 14. 14 Joes out of 10 for Mendy. 
Yeah, it was great. All right, man. Well, listen, we got to go, but it was fun chatting with you. Yeah, good time. Where should people, uh, you have a podcast, right? You want people to go listen to it? Yeah, I'll, I'll give people the two things they can go to. The podcast is on ozonenightmare.com. And then if you want to see, I'm trying to get my artwork a little more going. So I've been really, really working on that front. You can find everything there at ozoneartfoundry.com. So whatever your interest is, podcasting is the left lane, art is the right lane. Those two addresses are the places you can find my stuff. And lately, you've been doing some really ridiculous photoshops for me for uh, yes. the Instagram uh, uh, posts for the podcast. Anytime I can flex my little Photoshop muscles for little things here and there, even if it's minor stuff, I love doing it. Although you were called out like a month ago by a hero on Twitter. Yes. Who says the heads are too big. Is this he was too big or too small? Uh, I think he said he was 70% too big. Well, you know what? I'm not going to say he's wrong, but I'm also going to say that I'm not going to spend two hours getting head ratios right for a Photoshop of this nature. I was putting somebody's head on Dr. House. I'm not going to spend an afternoon on making sure the ratio of the chin to eye level is right. So you take what you get. You're fired. That's all that matters. Well, it was a, it was a good run, a short run. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a very important work you were doing. It sure was. But look, man, uh, it's always good to talk to you. Joe Ozone, and you have a lovely day. And uh, yeah, man. Keep on rocking. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you later. All right. And that was Joe Ozone. It's always fun chatting with listeners. I should come up with a different phrase because we were doing listener chats today. So how about we listen to another track and then we will uh, wind this show down for this week. And uh, look, this is brought to you by uh, my Patreon supporters in the $8 club. It's not really much of a club because there's only one dude, but there's a Assy Dre, and with the triple seven, it's Skywolf and the Rosconian. And I thought we would check out this track. Uh, it's a Mega Drive song that's been remixed by Perturbator. So he put out an album, and they put this uh, notification out that's like, "This is going to be Perturbator's last synthwave album," and it's all very dramatic and cool, I guess, because it's always cool to see artists sort of move forward and do uh, new things. As long as they're still doing stuff, that's what matters to me, man. So this is uh, an album called B Sides and. Remixes Volume 1. This is the track I Am the Program by Mega Drive, remixed by Perturbator.
And that was I Am The Program by Mega Drive, the Perturbator remix from the last Synthwave album Perturbator will release. B-Sides and Remixes Volume 1. If you do not count B-Sides and Remixes Volume 2, but... Whatever, man. Look, the bottom line is this, okay? We had a lovely day. Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. I think we'll do another listener call-in show before the end of the season because I still have more people I chatted to. I'm just like a chatterbox. Like, I tell people, I say, you know, we got to make these things 15, 20 minutes. And I, I chatted with a few other people and we talked for like fucking 45 minutes. And then it just ends up being the length of an actual Beyond Synth interview because I'm not good at reining myself in. It's not one of my skills. But look, uh, have a lovely weekend. Thank you for listening to Beyond Synth. Don't forget, you can now check out Beyond Synth on Spotify. It's always been on iTunes, but what I forget to do is ask people, if you do listen to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen, please leave a review and give the show a rating. I think that helps do something. It proves that uh, people listen. I mean, give it a good rating. I mean, I know it doesn't deserve one, but, you know, it'd be cool if you did. And, uh, yeah, and now that it's on Spotify, I know a lot of people ask me to do that, so that's cool. And don't forget, you can uh, support the show on on patreon.com slash beyond synth and that's all i'm gonna say so tune in next time to beyond synth where there's always lots of cool music and cool chat and uh you're a cool guy or gal okay i'm working on it i'll get a catchphrase i'll get a new one it's a work in progress it's like kneading the dough you know and i need that dough baby (laughs) i'll talk to you all next week on beyond synth Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyond synth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.